Well, if you are visiting with us here at Renew this morning or you are fairly new to our church, we want you to know that we're glad that you're here, but you may find the next few minutes a bit different than what you might expect in other churches, and that's fine, but we want to at least give you a heads up here. But feel free to listen in to what we're doing. Normally what we do right after our call to worship is that we have a time of story, but occasionally we spend some time doing what we call family meetings. So every few months our church does these family meetings, and one of the major metaphors of the New Testament for church is family. And occasionally we think it's important to have these family meetings in order to think critically and to be clear about things that are going on in our world or things that are going on in our church so that we're all on the same page. But culturally, there are a few certain topics that make us very emotional when they come up in conversation. Whether in politics or social issues, economics, law, sexuality, culture, gender roles in the church, we get emotional. And this morning, we want to talk about one of those issues, which is why it's really important we have a family meeting here. We want to talk about the issue of women and men and their roles within a local church for the next few minutes. And some of you, as we talk about this, may find yourself getting a little bit emotional. And as you do that, if you get emotional and you find a reaction going on inside of you, I simply want you to ask yourself, if that's you, why is it that I'm reacting this way? So culturally, there are uh, things that we need to talk about, and some of them relate to the church, and some of them are different than the church. But every church must wrestle with this particular diagram. And I want to show you this picture here. Some of you, if you were on the core team, when we started Renew, we, we dealt with this kind of target here of what does it mean when it comes to caring about our differences and also our similarities. Absolutes are those significant issues that matter when it comes to what we believe is the good news or the gospel message. Where does our salvation come from? Grace through faith, Jesus' divinity and his humanity, the virgin birth, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. These are all absolutes that we believe can't be changed. And then there are convictions, that next ring, that are different from absolutes. They matter and there can be difference of conviction, but we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. This could be predestination and free will, the gifts of the Spirit, being in a denomination or not in a denomination. So we're still brothers and sisters, but there's a conviction difference in that. And the last one, of course, is preferences. They're the least important and often have to do with style or expression. Um, it could be the wrapping paper of the gift, maybe the best way to describe that. Do you wear jeans or t-shirt or suit and tie uh, and more formal dresses to church? Are there organs and hymns or do we have a loud band? Do we have a hymnal? Do we have lyrics on a screen? Is it liturgy or is it free form? These are all various differences that we see that are just preferences. What, what is it that we desire? In some ways, we, to use a, a sports metaphor, absolutes are like Major League Baseball. There are certain rules that govern the game of baseball that if you take away some of those rules, you no longer have the game of baseball. It's just the way it is. They just are absolutely essential to having baseball. Now, convictions are like the difference between the American League and the National League. You're going to have some rule differences, and it's going to feel different, but it doesn't mean it's not baseball. It still is, but it's a massively different feel in that, even though it's the same game. Preferences would be those teams that you root for, the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Royals. And you can root for whoever you want as long as it's not the Yankees, right? And so that would be the preference uh, on that. 
What we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes falls in the convictions area of the circle, the middle ring. And it's important, it's a big deal, but it is not absolute. And it's not so foundational that we jeopardize the gospel, the good news, and what we care about. And with that said, back in 2009, when Renew had officially formed and we were just launching our gatherings, a newly commissioned, uh, the newly commissioned elders studied the scriptures, processed, read many different books on the topic, and prayed, researched, and discussed together the issue of women in ministry, and ultimately made a decision on what Renew's position would be moving forward. Now, for those of you who don't know much about this idea, there's two general uh, camps that churches fall into. The first one is called a complementary, sorry, complementarian church. And a complementarian church believes that men and women are different, but they complement each other in their gifting. Specifically, these churches believe that men are called to be in leadership, especially in roles such as teaching and preaching and pastoring and being elders. And women are to hold, their, hold positions in the church, but not those. Anything but those of teaching and preaching and eldering. Egalitarian churches believe that while men and women are different in biology and makeup, that God has wired every one of us, despite our differences, with various gifts, and that those gifts, including leadership and teaching and eldering and preaching, should not be limited to your gender, and that anyone, male or female, who's gifted and qualified can lead and teach and minister. Now, there are several God-honoring, Scripture-informing, Jesus-following churches, and even entire denominations who believe that women can be in leadership. And many of these denominations have been around for quite some time. I know some of you have actually grown up in these types of churches and denominations where you've seen gifted women play a very active role uh, in the life of the, the churches you've been a part of. But this was not my experience. I grew up in a complementarian church in Virginia that did not believe that women should be in leadership. And I was never around a woman pastor. I'd never heard, of a woman, heard a woman preach, and I never even heard of a woman elder before. I had read the verses in the Bible where Paul says that women shouldn't speak, but should remain silent in the church. On top of that, my pastor told me in our church that a woman serving in a position of leadership was wrong, and therefore I believed him. And there was no further discussion on the topic at our church ever again. But the truth is, I had never actually studied this on my own before. I simply had accepted the church's position and taken the pastor's word for it. It wasn't until my adult life that I began to do some in-depth study of what the Bible said about women in leadership, not just what my pastor had told me about it. And I began to see that maybe God did have a role for women in leadership. Now, let me be very clear here. I, along with the elders absolutely believe that the Bible possesses authority in the church and is the inspired Word of God. That's not a question for us. It is our authority for how we live. The life of Jesus, the instruction of God's Word, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit is how we know how to live our lives in a way that honors God the Father. And the question for us is not, is the Bible valid? That's not the question because we're convinced it is. The question instead is, how do we accurately interpret the Bible? And this takes a great deal of discernment and study and prayer, along with discussion and wisdom together within a community. We're trying uh, not to only understand what the Bible says, but also what does it mean for us today in our context? 
The fancy word that Bible scholars use for this is hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. And when we read passages, any passage in our Bible, we have to ask a very important question. Is this descriptive or is this prescriptive? So descriptive means, does this describe a particular context and a particular situation that existed in the Middle East in the first century for a specific community for those people involved in that place that we can learn from? Or is this passage prescriptive? Does it prescribe and command a way for us to live not only in that culture, but even for us today in how we live? Is it descriptive or is it prescriptive? And we see in the Bible that there are passages that are both descriptive and prescriptive. Despite my upbringing in the church in Virginia, my mind has been changed, many of you know this, about women in leadership. And over the past several years, when people ask me, should women be in leadership, my answer has been, leaders should be in leadership. God is exceedingly generous, and he hands out gifts to people, to his people. Sometimes, God gifts people, but not all people, the gifts of teaching and of leadership. These followers of Christ, whether male or female, should be in church leadership. They benefit the local church in helping local churches to be healthy and vibrant and listening to God and being faithful and being obedient. They have an important role in that. Now, there are churches that are complementarian, again, people who believe that only men should be in leadership. And what happens is really gifted women who are leaders get left on the sidelines because, simply because of their gender. And this is confusing and hurtful and sometimes very lonely for our sisters in Christ. And it can be said and has been a very destructive within local churches and it has caused quite a bit of damage. In reaction to this, some churches simply place a woman on the leadership team or pastoral staff. The, the woman may not be a leader, but the leaders of the church kind of want to make a point or, or stick it to somebody or make a statement, so they do it anyway. And because that person is not gifted by God in leadership, it causes damage to the local church. And in that case, everyone loses. The truth is, nobody wants to be a token anything. Nobody. Ethnicity, gender, whatever. Back in 2009, as I mentioned, the elders shared our conviction of what we believe, and after the careful study of the scriptures that we believe that God gifts all people who surrender their entire lives, men and women, with different gifts, and he gifts some of them, men and women, with leadership and teaching, and that those leaders should use their gifts for God's glory within a local church, including the renewed community. This is also the position of the network of churches that we're a part of called the Ecclesia Network. This certainly is a complex uh, issue and situation that requires a much longer discussion than we have for just a few minutes in our family meeting. But for the sake of brevity, uh, we noticed several elements in our study that led to this decision. And very briefly, I'm just going to give you a broad brushstroke of some of those, how we arrived at that, um, in case you're wondering. The first one is God's overarching story uh, through human history. One where he created all people, men and women, and wants them to participate in his grand mission of redemption, his mission of love, and his mission of reconciliation in the world that exists. Yes, there are differences in male and female bodies and in personalities and DNA and makeup, 
but God is a generous God who wants to see his mission move forward uh, in both men and women. The second is this, in that we see God's character coming through, not excluding anyone simply because of their gender and gifting people regardless of gender with those gifts. The third thing is that there are many, many, many examples in the Bible that highlight and celebrate many heroic, God-honoring leaders who are women and who taught and who saw God's mission advanced because of their gifts of leadership and teaching. These are women such as Deborah and Esther and Priscilla and Abigail and Hulda and Junia, Miriam and Phoebe, among others, including women who were considered Jesus' disciples, not a part of the original official 12, but in fact, women were so important in proclaiming the good news of Jesus that they were the first evangelists telling the world on Easter morning that Jesus was risen. They were the first ones to proclaim the good news of Jesus. But we also personally know of gifted women who are doing great things, and God was using them for his glory in local church leadership. So we couldn't deny that. We could not deny that fact, especially as I think about my close friends like Mandy Smith and Sid Holtzclaw and Mia Chang and pastors leading wonderful churches within the Ecclesia Network churches around the country. In fact, two of our leaders here this morning are in Cincinnati and are hearing Mandy Smith preach. Uh, They're on vacation out there. It's kind of cool how that worked out. And I can say confidently that God is working mightily in the lives of these women pastors and many other women leaders around the country, and we want to be a cheerleader for them. The elders are unanimously committed to being cheerleaders for the gifted, mature, and faithful women leaders that we also have in our church, too. And the last thing is we we couldn't ignore what I call the question. The question was this. If some of the great women leaders of the Bible who led tremendously in the Old Testament and the New Testament in advancing God's mission forward, if they were a part of Renew, what would we say to them? We couldn't imagine telling great women leaders of the Bible like Deborah, who led the entire nation of Israel politically as well as spiritually. I know you led an entire nation of Israel, but I'm not sure you're qualified to lead at Renew. Or I know you, uh, or, or could we tell a great Bible teacher like Priscilla, who Paul honored in his letters, you know, I, don't, I just don't think you can teach here in our gatherings. Or could we say to the New Testament leader Phoebe, a deacon in the church mentioned in Romans, I just don't think you should be here using your gifts. Or could we say to our sister Junia, who Paul refers to as an apostle in Romans 16, it might be wise for you to use your gifts at another church, but not ours. We might not have talked about it much over the years, but this is not any sort of new decision for us at Renew. This has always been our position from the very beginning of our church. In fact, one of the things we want to make available to you, which we'll email to your house church shepherds and have at the next gathering, or you can email Doug and myself, is that 2009 position paper that we wrote about women in in ministry and women in leadership, and we can certainly make that available to you. We've also had women preachers up here in our gatherings before. We've had women who serve as church, house church shepherds, and still do, and those in significant and official leadership roles. 
Women have led us in the call to worship, a time of prayer, story, communion, etc. So this should not come as a huge surprise to you all. However, up to this point, we've never had a woman elder before. Now, over the years, we've approached a few women to be in the elder level role that we've had here at our church. Then we've asked them, are you willing and are you able to pray with us about discerning whether you should be an elder here at Renew or not? And some have been unwilling and unable. They're not interested and their schedule doesn't allow. Some have been willing but unable. I want to do it, but my schedule doesn't allow. I just have too much going on. And others were able, my schedule allows, but unwilling. I just don't think I should be serving. I just don't have a real sense I should be in this role. So who should be elders in our church, or any church for that matter, is an important question we should look at very briefly. Well, elders should always be spiritual overseers. They care for the spiritual well-being of the church through leadership and prayer, teaching, shepherding, key decisions that impact the entire church, even things like budget approval and key employment policies in the church. We've always held the convictions that elders should represent the most mature leadership in the church. Not the richest, not those who've been here the longest, not the most influential or the most well-spoken, but those who are the most spiritually mature leaders in our church. And over the past few months, we've been talking uh, with leaders who we believe are gifted in these areas of leadership and teaching, and we've been engaging in conversation with them to see who might the Lord be grooming to grow into a role to be an elder. And we've been looking for those who are both willing and able. And in the past few months, the elders have prayerfully considered, and we've identified a few women who have clearly exhibited a passion for God, ongoing wisdom and discernment in their lives, a desire and commitment to serve Renew and the church, and are clearly gifted in leadership and in teaching. Again, no one wants to be tokenized, so we sense a gifting in them already. And we've asked them, are you willing and are you able? And this is the process that's been going on the past several months for us. And we want to take it slowly and wisely as we have, not wanting to make a significant decision quickly. We have very gifted women in our church. Some of these women, as I mentioned, have clearly evidenced the gift of leadership and of teaching. And we want them to lead in their giftedness, not for, for their sake, not even for the sake of our church, but for the sake of Christ and his mission. And so we hold this position of wanting to affirm these women. We hold that firmly, but also very humbly. And we don't want to get in the way of what God's doing. They are a gift to our church. Women, you are a gift to our church. And we want to see the gifts that God has given to them and to us lived out in high definition within our community. We want to encourage women to do what they believe and what we believe in the scriptures that the scriptures is asking of them to be available to all the spiritual gifts that God wants to hand out to his children. So I know, I know this is somewhat long, but this is important. And I just want to end with these brief closing thoughts. Again, we know that there are various reactions to this, remembering that this can make us emotional, especially if you don't agree with what we've just said. But some of you may be thinking, one of a few things. Some of you may be thinking, well, it's about time, Renew. Welcome to 2016. What took you so long? This may be a non-factor for you because you grew up in a wonderful church that affirmed women in their gifts. 
In fact, for some of you, this just may not be a big deal at all. And some of you may say, wow, that's different. That's not what I grew up with. But this is good for our church moving forward, and I agree with you. It's different. It takes some time to get used to, but that's, yeah, I, I'm good with that. But there are others of you that may be saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I did not grow up with this understanding. I have lots of questions about how you arrived at this decision. Can we talk? And the answer is, of course. We'd love to talk. This wasn't how I grew up, and I had people patiently journeying with me, exploring the scriptures, praying with me, and we'd be glad to do that with you. And lastly, some of you may be thinking, this is awful. You guys are so wrong. How could you be so off? And regardless of where you are in this issue, it's important for us to do a few things. And as a church, we've navigated differences really well, and I want to just be specific on some of those ways we can do that. The first thing is we can honor God and each other with our thoughts and also with our tongues. It's really important we honor each other with our tongues. We don't write each other off. We don't use our tongues as a destructive tool in the hands of the evil one, who, by the way, would love to destroy and divide and damage our church by using our tongues in ways that don't please the Lord. We want to talk honestly and boldly and directly and kindly to one another, not behind each other's backs. I also want to challenge us that we be in prayer moving forward. James 1.5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously and without finding fault, and he will do it. Pray that for you. Pray that for your house church. Pray that for us as elders, because we need wisdom too moving forward, always. We want to honor Christ in his church, and we may not always do it right, so pray for us. And when we get it right, pray for us too. The other thing is we must keep this in perspective. You remember the diagram, and maybe we can flip back to that uh, diagram again. Remember, this is in the convictions category. This is not an absolute. This is a conviction. And so we can have differences. You can play in the American League and the National League, and we're still playing baseball. So let's keep that in mind. The other thing, talk with us. If you have questions, we're available to help if we can. This is a great opportunity for us to learn together, to grow, to discuss this. So if you have questions, you don't have to hide it. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to help you. We've got a bunch of resources over here uh, as well, if that would help. And over the next several weeks, you'll be hearing from us more about the results of some of those conversations the elders have been having with these gifted, mature, and faithful women and their potential role in our church as elders. So you'll be hearing more of that as we lean into the fall. So we must ask, why does all this matter? Why do we spend all this time talking about this? Why do we care? Here's why this matters. Because God's saving mercy and grace have been poured out on us. And he wants us, the local church, to do all that we can to be faithful in light of that grace and mercy, to be pipes and not buckets, to make sure we're pouring out what's been poured into us by this generous God. And that means he and we desire that all of us be good stewards of everything entrusted to us. We join him on his mission for all his purposes and his glory. And we should thank him that while men and women are different in our makeup, we should thank him that we can work as brothers and sisters side by side, arm in arm, to serve in the gifts that God has given to us. Not that we've given to ourselves or appointed ourselves, but God has given to us. 
And that's an important thing to keep in mind. For those of you, again, who want to grow more in this, again, you can talk to us. But, um, and I mentioned, we'll, we'll send out to the House Church Shepherds that original document, which has been around. Uh, we're not hiding anything that's been around for a while, but it would be good just if any of you want to see that. Again, you can email us. We'd be glad to send that to you uh, as well. But I just want to show you just a, a few books here. Um, and we've got these over here. If you want to borrow these, they're sitting in the chair right over here. Um, the first one is um, The Blue Parakeet by uh, a theologian by the name of Scott McKnight. Um, this is a fantastic book that helps us understand how we read our Bible between descriptive and prescriptive. How do we do that? And Scott does a really great job with that. Um, next slide. The next one, this is a pretty provocative title. <laughs> Slaves, Women, and Homosexuals, Exploring the Hermeneutics of Cultural Analysis. This is very nerdy. And I also want to just be really clear. You may remember our family meeting that was last summer, where we're a church that, while we all love and care for those with same-sex attraction, we do not affirm that in our church based on how we read that in the scriptures. And so we welcome God's gifts in women. We love and care for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, but don't see anywhere in Scripture where that's honored. We see women who are honored, but we don't see those who, who live out that impulse of same-sex attraction, homosexuality, and that. However, we've helped people within our church that struggle with same-sex attraction, and we're grateful for the courage in which you've done that. And if that's a struggle you have, we'd love to talk to you, and we're glad that you are here. We would love to talk to you more. So I just want to be clear because I was on an airplane when I read this one time and you should have seen the looks I had from the people in my row <laughs> with a title like that. So how do we read our Bibles is a very important uh, thing, but that's a little bit more theological. Um, uh, another great book um, that we have, we actually have a few of them over here, is How I Changed my, my Mind About Women in Leadership. Those that didn't have this position and told their story of how they actually came to the scriptures and experiences and seeing God's heart, how they landed at this. And this may be helpful for you to read some of these stories from thoughtful leaders in the church. And next slide, uh, Why Not Women uh, is, a, is a great book written by uh, Lauren Cunningham, uh, who's the director of Youth with a Mission, YWAM, the founder of that. And so we have that over here. We're just trying to resource you if that would be helpful for you. Uh, and then third, after the service in the tutoring classroom that's right through there, the side classroom, um, some of our elders are going to be present. And so if you just right after the service say, I just got questions, I, I got to talk about this, can you help me understand, can you pray with me, can you pray for wisdom? Look, we want to encourage you to meet us in there. We'd be glad to answer any questions you may have. Not just that that's the only time, but immediately we want to give you an opportunity uh, to do that. So we want to be accessible, and we want to be available to you as, we, as you work through this. We know that not everyone's at this point. It took me several years and other leaders and elders in our church several years to get to this point um, of wrestling and growing and asking questions, but our desire is to help you in that. So with that being said, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into our other teaching. <laughs> God, thank you for um, Renew. Thank you for the fact that Renew was your idea, and you're the head of this church. And Lord, thank you for the way in which you are a generous God who gives gifts to us, undeserved, even gifts, spiritual gifts of how we can serve the kingdom of God in various ways, up front and behind the scenes serving and giving and hospitality and prayer and healing and, um, and leadership and all these things, God. We don't decide. Those you do. And so we want to say thanks for that. Lord, we, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here, especially my sisters who've been hurt by churches 
have not felt affirmed, that they felt like something's wrong with them because of their gender. And Lord, I just pray that Renew would be a place where they have or can or will experience healing in that and affirmation to live fully into the gifts that you want for, for these sisters. Now, Lord, may we be a church that cheerleads for them. Not to make a point about gender, but to make a point about God. To make a point about your goodness and your graciousness and even the challenge for us to steward what's been entrusted to us. Lord, for those who are different in conviction than what we've talked about this morning, would you give them the courage and the patience and the grace to be able to walk through this time of understanding better? And would you give us as elders wisdom? We need wisdom. We always need it. But even in this significant issue of conviction, God, give us wisdom. And when we don't do it right in our leadership, big and small, formal and informal, we pray that we would be so humble we'd be quick to ask for repentance and, and forgiveness, and we would confess to you and to others who may have been hurt by our lack of wisdom. But God, when we get it right, may we not be arrogant about it either. Keep us humble to just want to be faithful to you. And so God, we do this uh, not to take a stand or hold a position, but because we're just trying to be faithful to what you've called us to, and we want to run after that as best as we possibly can. So would you help us do that? Jesus, we thank you for this, and it's in the name of God the Father, Son, and Spirit that we pray. Amen. Amen.